Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, aka TV Colin. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter at underscore NJ Watson. And today we follow up with many of our Paper Tees entrants to see what has happened with their scripts as well as their careers since their work appeared on Paper Team. <laughs> All right, so as a quick reminder for those of you who might be unfamiliar with Paper Tees or just need a refresher, we've been doing this segment for almost the life of the podcast now, which is, you know, five plus years. And essentially what it is, is we have our listeners send in the first up to eight pages of their TV script, whether it's a comedy, drama, whatever format it is, uh, essentially the teaser or cold open of your TV script, and then we read it and we provide feedback on air. That's right. And Nick, do you have an idea of how many teasers we've reviewed over the past few years because i did the math and uh oh wow i'm gonna say over 50 yes definitely over 50 in fact we've reviewed 77 teasers over the past four and a half years that's awesome it's definitely been one of my favorite segments of the podcast to do i always enjoy getting to read our listeners work and provide them some feedback on air definitely agree and in fact it's one of our listeners uh most favorite episodes with types of episodes that we don't podcast because over the years we've received several emails asking us to follow up on those people who've submitted teasers to our podcast over the years and the timing kind of felt right to do that now. So we sent most of our past Paper Tease entrance questions regarding their teasers, the feedback that we've given, anything that was surprising, how they addressed the R notes, if any, and what has been happening with them and their scripts since that episode. These are questions that we are personally curious about, but we know also our listeners want to know those answers. So in this episode, we'll be taking a listen to as well as reading some of the responses that we got across the board in terms of those questions. The first big question that we asked them was at what stage of the process was their script at when they submitted their teasers to Paper Tees? Yeah, and we actually had a really wide range of responses to that question. Some people had literally just finished their first vomit draft and the ink was kind of still wet on the page and they threw it in their email and hit send and were lucky enough to make it on air for feedback, whereas some others had actually gone through multiple rewrites and this was more of like their polished go-to writing sample when they were submitting it to reps or writing gigs or that kind of thing. So we really got the full spectrum of where these scripts were at when they came to us. That's right. And we will read people's actual answers to the other questions. But this was the kind of question that we didn't feel was needed to read everybody's answers to, because as Nick mentioned, it's sort of a wide gamut to hear back from in regards to that. However, we can play you the response that we got from one of our listeners. And that was Vince Tucker, who submitted the border back in PT-180. I sent in the teaser of what I would say was the second full draft of my pilot script called The Border hence the many typos. My initial reaction to getting feedback on the teaser was, phew, that wasn't so bad. Also, I agree with the overall note about the teaser not necessarily feeling like a satisfying one due to its lack of payoff. I didn't initially structure the pilot to have a true cold open teaser, but it would have landed much better had I ended my submission with the close of the news report rather than opting to include the police station scene, which only further teased the plot payoff. As far as feedback goes, I was most surprised by the predictions of what the payoff of the teaser was going to be. I believe they were predictions of Trump having made a deal with the devil or him using a magic crystal ball or something. I hate to disappoint, but the only mention of Trump in the entire script comes in the form of his name being on the border wall, and even that I consider removing. There was also valid feedback with concerns of how I'd approach the balance of comedy with the meta-commentary satire and having police officers as part of the main cast of characters, 
considering the current political climate. This is something that was always at the forefront of my mind, as my goal throughout writing this script was to poke fun of the absurdity and the belief of a wall solving all of the U.S.'s problems and paying that off with the punchline realization that the U.S. has not just one, but two borders. While I didn't change much of the teaser, I did implement some clarity based on the feedback I received about the transition of the news report being shown on the TV at the police station. As it was originally written, this came across as if the captain was showing this news report to the officers when my intention was for the news report to be something that was on in the background. This was a great catch and it led me to be more critical about these types of oversights in the rewrite. Since the paper tease session, I completed the final rewrite of the pilot and it was selected as a quarter finalist in the 2020 final draft big break competition. My plans are to use this as a writing sample in the short term as the subject matter is semi-time sensitive and may become irrelevant, which I'll admit isn't bad in the grand scheme of things considering the real world implications. The Paper Team Podcast has helped me as a writer by providing insider insight into the job of being a professional TV writer and everything that entails. I also find it extremely helpful to read the Paper Tease pilot teasers and listen to Alex and Nick's commentary. It has definitely helped me know what to focus on when approaching my own screenplays and gain a better understanding of how ideas may be perceived on the page. I want to thank the Paper Team for choosing and taking time to provide feedback on my pilot teaser. Keep up the good work, guys. Yeah, that was awesome to hear from Vance and to get a little bit of insight behind his teaser, which I do remember being quite a lot of fun and, and very funny, great concept. So I wish him continued success with that and, and further sort of competitions and his writing career. And it was cool just to hear a little bit of background on the thought that went into it. I feel it's going to be interesting to listen to and read some of our listeners' feedback on our feedback, so to speak, and sort of hear the backstory behind their teasers, as well as Things that we may misconstrue or believe, you know, is going to end a certain way when the show isn't really about that. I remember back in the border days, we didn't really ask for any context. We just asked for the teaser and that was it. And then we moved to a more context-based approach where we were asking also for a little bit of a synopsis of the pilot or something like that to give us a better idea of the context of that teaser. But most of the teasers that we've given feedback on were just on the teaser themselves. So it's always interesting to hear more of that story and uh, how it fits into the overall puzzle. Yeah, I think for the writers too, it's probably interesting to hear somebody with no context as to what the rest of your story is about, just based off of reading this teaser, what they think is going to happen in the rest of the script. And if it's something that's so way off base from what you're actually doing, then that's perhaps a sign that you need to address something in your teaser. So part of the reason why we ended up asking for those synopses so that we could kind of compare what our thoughts were of what it was going to be to what it actually was. Absolutely. And on that note, the next couple of questions that we asked them were, A, what was their initial reaction getting that feedback from Hebertese? But also, what surprised them the most from that feedback given? This is what Joshua Shine, who submitted The Void on PT-158, answered in terms of what surprised him the most from the feedback given. And he said, Quote, honestly, I was quite surprised it was received well and was really floored by both you guys' compliments and encouragement. I was pretty nervous because it's a crazy opener with lots of things happening at once, but I took your advice on tightening up some of the dialogue in my opener related to exposition and it made it cleaner and more impactful. I also worked on clarity and cutting out unnecessary characters and cutaway scenes that broke up the momentum I had in the teaser. 
Really great advice you guys gave. I instantly saw the improvement. Yeah, I remember this teaser too. It was the really cool kind of annihilation type vibe where these people were kind of in heaven, but it was a little bit more like hell and they were kind of being hunted down by these dark creatures and everything. And I just remember, you know, the ideas behind it were so compelling and interesting and a way of kind of presenting us through the POV of this woman into this kind of crazy situation in this world. And it's interesting to hear that that kind of came around the third draft, but he was kind of still in college. So it was all kind of earlier in the thing. And I think sometimes when you have these big high concept things, the real trick is just communicating it in a really efficient way that reels the reader in and gives them just enough information, but not too much. So that's always a balancing act there. And I'm glad that our feedback was able to help him kind of get that balance right. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you have genre piece, it's so hard to introduce the world, the characters, the setting, the plot, all those things in as few pages as possible. And so because you got to carry that burden in eight pages or less, I can definitely relate to that issue. And so I'm glad that we tackled some of those things, or at least mentioned some of those things so that Joshua was able to finesse his pilot and then move forward with it. The next email that we received was from longtime listener of the podcast, Varta Tarosian. Yeah, so Varta sent us in her teaser, The Psychics, back on PT 151. And when we asked what her reaction was to being read out in the podcast, she said, honestly, it felt like winning the lottery. I assume you get tons of submissions. So having my teaser be one of the few that got feedback on air was both nerve wracking and exhilarating. In terms of the feedback we actually gave her, she said, when you called my script ambitious, I wasn't sure if that was meant as a compliment or if I fell short of that ambition. I was just glad you recognized that I attempted something bold. Whether I failed at it or not, at least I gave it a try. There were a few things in the teaser which I thought were clear at the time, but as I was listening to your notes, I realized that wasn't really the case. So I went back and rewrote a few moments in the story to make sure that all of my points came across. And in terms of what's happened with that teaser since then, the script did really well in a few competitions, got read by a few managers, and along with her other samples, ended up landing Varta representation. So huge congrats on that, Varta. Yeah, huge congrats to Varta for landing a rep. The success that we're seeing, I feel like that's the through line of this podcast how amazing all these people have become, not because of us, but because of their own work. Right, exactly. I think there's definitely a selection effect that people who are very dedicated to their craft are seeking out our podcast and listening to it. So we can't take all the credit, but we are very happy for any help that we've given in that process. And I just wanted to touch on what Varda said about the feedback of something being ambitious. I think that that's a term that I use sometimes when I'm giving feedback on things. And it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It just means that you are trying to do a lot with the script and with the concept, it can make it trickier on yourself if you bite off more than you can chew. However, if you pull it off, then it can be really rewarding. So just to saying something that's ambitious just means that often there's a lot going on. Obviously, we want to give you feedback on the best way to make that work. I mean, like we talked about with the previous one, The Void, there's a lot going on there. And then through a couple of notes, you're able to make it much more digestible for people and just kind of succeed at that ambition for sure. I think that Barter was able to do that with hers as well. Right, exactly. It comes back to the plot and the story and the kind of show that you want to tell. And that's especially prevalent in more genre-based shows that have a lot of that exposition, a lot of that baggage that they need to service in those pages. Even when I say ambitious or this is evocative or et cetera, I feel like the concept in of itself is unique enough to mention that it is unique enough and it is ambitious and it is compelling. And so I think having a compelling uh, setup is intriguing, but then obviously it's not about the idea, it's about the execution. So then how you execute within that world 
really distinguishes you from other people. And clearly that was the case with you because you got representation and the script did really well in a few competitions. So kudos to you. Yeah, I would much rather a script be too ambitious and be very interesting and fascinating. And even though if you realize, oh, they didn't quite pull it off, I would much rather that than somebody who perhaps not ambitious enough and their script doesn't really stand out or doesn't do anything new or interesting. So shoot for the stars, you know. It can be a bit vulnerable to receive feedback live on air, especially from your own writing. It takes a lot to put yourself out there. And so on that note, let's listen to one of our PPT's entrants, Tyler Jordan, who submitted Together Alone back in PT113. My name is Tyler Jordan, and I'm a screenwriter in Toronto, Canada. I'm going to answer the paper team's questions today regarding the notes that they gave me on the cold open of a project I had called Together Alone. The script was eh, about 32 pages in length and (laughs) the complete mess. I was about six months into my training as a screenwriter. So this was my first finished script. Honestly, I did not take this feedback well at first. I think my ego was expecting to hear Alex and Nick pronounce my teaser a masterpiece, but (laughs) instead I just got honest feedback, which is exactly what I needed. When I was finished pouting, I could also hear that the comedy on the page was working. That was the takeaway for me, because my intention going into this was to write something that was firmly in the comedy genre. So the fact that that was reading on the page gave me a lot of energy to keep going. At that time, I was surprised to hear that the paper team felt that you couldn't just make a show about two gay best friends, a show about nothing. I had seen shows about nothing before, especially in the comedy genre. Episodic sitcoms like Friends, Will and Grace, Broad City. I think I was just looking for a way to access these audiences who are starved for queer content and give them something that wasn't tropey, you know? I just wanted to write a pair of gay besties who epitomized found family and normalized like a non-romantic love between two gay men. After listening to the notes again today, I totally got what they meant. It's not enough to just write a show about the relationship between two people. Maybe the series itself doesn't have to amount to much, but each episode needs to have something to say. And my paper tease didn't really have much. When I started this project, it was originally going to be shot as a web series. That web series would have been sketches and bits that my real-life best friend and writing partner, Mark Anthony, uh, we would use as our reel. When I submitted it to Paper Team, I had restructured it into a sitcom-style, half-hour, episodic-type thing. After hearing the feedback, I did try to add a bunch of silly hooks and stakes to bind these two characters together, but every time an idea felt good and I followed it, that idea became its own entity, and the more I worked through that, the more it became a completely new show and that felt separate from this project. So that's not bad. I guess it's just part of the process. I'm not sure if anything will ever come back from it or if anything will come out of this Together Alone project, but it does still serve a purpose. So I have a couple of other projects that I've been working on more heavily this last year. And so when I get stuck writing those projects and things really grind to a halt, I'll pick up this project again and just play around with it, just tinker something that doesn't really mean much anymore. And I find that that really helps me tap into things and unstick my brain so that I can get back to work on those other projects. Receiving feedback from you two so early on, it really validated me in a way and challenged me to improve my writing. Thank you so much, Paper Team. My name is Tyler Jordan. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at TJ on TV. Bye. 
Yeah, and thank you so much, Tyler, for, I would say, writing into us, but speaking into us, whatever uh, <laughs> you want to refer to that as. But it was really awesome to hear your honest process of reflection after receiving those notes. I know sometimes it isn't always the easiest thing to receive criticism, especially live on air in a podcast that you kind of listen to that has an audience of other writers and things like that. But I think it's perfectly acceptable to sometimes feel a little defensive or anything when you first hear that. But I think that you've done exactly what you needed to do, which was reflect a little bit further on it and take the lessons out of that to improve your work. And all of your observations from that sounded really great. And it sounds like you've been able to kind of incorporate that into your arsenal as a writer. And just kind of quickly on the show itself, I think you're totally right. There can be shows that are just a bunch of friends hanging out, having fun and doing things. But exactly like what you said, each episode kind of needs to have its own structure or story that drives it like Seinfeld or Friends or whatever. The episode was always about something. It wasn't just kind of people sitting around and making jokes. And I think that, you know, the fact that you said that you'd cobbled that together from some sketches and different things that came together and tried to make it work as an episode speaks to the fact that that's why it ran a little bit like that. But when you come at something from the angle of an episodic structure, then that's going to make it work a lot better. Exactly. You kind of had to justify the existence of the concept and the show in those three pages and that pilot, which is easier said than done, obviously. That's why we have this entire podcast and these sessions and so forth. And so I genuinely appreciate a lot of what Tyler said. When you receive feedback, a lot of it is bumped against your ego because you think, oh, because I'm judging this material that you created, that means that I don't like you or have a specific opinion about you as a person. When the reality is when I read a piece of material, it's really about what is that piece of content trying to accomplish and what is the best way that I personally believe would be the way that the writer's perspective on how to accomplish that. Sometimes it is difficult to be very specific about some things, but other times it's very clear things that resonate with us and what doesn't. I will mention to the idea of, you know, comedy shows on the air and so forth, my initial bump with the very concept was less the perspective of representation as much as it was, you know, so this classic multicam format. Whilst you mentioned things like Seinfeld and Friends, those shows existed in the 90s and not in 2021. Now, the shows that do exist that are similar to those formats, notably CBS type comedies, exist for better or for worse because of talent attached. All those Chuck Lorre shows or all those other shows in the comedy realm, especially the multicam realm, exist like Grace and Frankie and so forth in the specific context in which they have named talent attached. And obviously that's not to discount the quality of the writing or the content and so forth. But practically speaking, when we're talking about the reality of this business, those are things to keep in mind in terms of how much this works as a writing sample, as opposed to something that can be produced. And so those two things need to be kept in mind. Right. Yeah. Your show needs to get people's attention. So if it doesn't have a big hook or concept or something unique that people haven't heard before, and they're like, oh, wow, I need to check that out. Then it kind of needs to have other elements that do that. And in that case, it's, you know, Keegan-Michael Key is attached to it or my Bialik or whatever, that sort of thing. So that said, don't let that dissuade you. Write very funny comedies, write great sitcoms, use it as a writing sample. Who knows? You might get somebody awesome attached to it if they like your script enough, and then that's how it gets made. And on that note, uh, since we spoke about feedback and notes, one of the big questions that we asked our Paper D's entrance was, what notes, if any, did they implement from our feedback? And how did they sort of deal and approach our notes? One email that we received is from Zach Kostirka, who submitted the teaser Earthrise Earthset back in PT. 
185. When we asked him what was his initial reaction getting feedback, he replied that his initial reaction was that the script, the teaser needed to be more clear, needed work on clarity. A lot of what was in his head wasn't on the page. And he said, quote, I never specified that the commands came from the Earth-based team that monitored the entire experiment. Also that the containment doors weren't near rivals. There were crew members being released from confinement. I think I focused too much on the back and forth conversation between Uma and Milo instead of laying down the groundwork for the episode and series. He continued by saying, if two people have the same notes, meaning Nick and I, there's obviously work to be done online to clarify. And so in terms of the aspects that he worked towards implementing, you mentioned that since Uma is the show's lead, I shifted the perspective of the opening image to Uma reading her command and then introducing Captain Milo. I padded the exposition to let the reader know the way the command had on all of the crew on the Isra 2. I extended and heightened the play of getting Milo to touch the glass 10 times. And when I first wrote it, I thought having Uma execute the task quickly would show her intelligence, etc. But after listening to the feedback, I see it only weaken the tension slash weight of the conflict. First of all, thanks again, Zach, for sending us this uh, feedback on the feedback, so to speak. I really loved Earthrise Earth. That was definitely one of our favorite teasers back in the day. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying back in the day as if it's like different decades or something. But nonetheless, I definitely remember that game that we spoke of in terms of that character needing to touch the glass and all these different tests. And so I'm glad that you leaned into those things and heightened the drama and the tension in that teaser because there was a lot of potential there. Yeah, definitely. I think this kind of ties back to the theme of shows and teasers being ambitious and there being so much good stuff in there. It's just a matter of how you get it out clearly and effectively to the audience and establishing stuff and hooking people in. And it sounds like you were able to take some of the feedback on board and make it work a lot more smoothly, which is awesome. And the next email we got back was from Joey Hernand, who wrote Rift Jumpers, which was back in PT 189. So for Joey, Rift Jumpers is his go-to TV sample. He says it represents the type of shows and films for that matter that I would like to work on. And as such, the pages you read were from my gazillionth draft, give or take. So this was obviously a more polished teaser that we were reading here. Joey said, I was excited, but then I felt trepidation because what if the paper team guys didn't like it? Then I felt pumped to get feedback and improve. And then I felt sleepy. And then I felt like a fraud. Then I just pressed submit, wish for the best, and ate some chips. In other words, I experienced the typical roller coaster of writer emotions. But the main takeaway from the feedback that I received was the suggestion to offer more hints of what was to come in the remainder of the story. Thus, since a big part of what I'm trying to do with Rift Jumpers is to subvert tropes, especially when it comes to those chosen one stories, I tweaked a couple of moments in the teaser to try and reflect that intent. It is a teaser, and there's only so much you can do in a limited amount of story real estate, but I'm glad I was able to squeeze them in there. Thanks for the help, paper team. So Joey says, since then, due to the fantastic Read Latinx Writers Initiative, which was founded by the gracious writer Dominique Neves, I look for her on Twitter, I was lucky enough to get feedback on Rift Jumpers from a respected showrunner, and he offered some constructive and positive feedback of his own. Moreover, the showrunner actually pointed out that he recognized my intent to play with the tropes, and I have to thank Paper Team's suggestion to make those moments more pronounced. It helped improve the story and the read. Joey says, throughout my writer's journey, one of the key things that I've learned is that you can never learn enough. You can never absorb enough guidance, and you can never discover enough new ways into the writing process. For me, simply listening to working writers talk about the craft and offer advice on how to navigate the industry is key to my own personal growth. In that regard, I cannot be more grateful to Paper Team for being a part of that. Paying it forward and helping other scribes is the core way to keep storytelling vibrant. Thanks again, Alex and Nick, from the bottom of my heart. Well, thank you for that awesome message. Again, it's always great to hear that the feedback is well received in the context of that script and the fact that it helped that person improve on that story. You know, the goal that we're trying to do with this podcast, obviously, but with our feedback is to help the writer 
execute on their vision, whatever their vision is, it's, you know, what is our perspective on that and whether or not they take our feedback, obviously it's up to them, but it's great to also hear that other people responded to the changes that that writer made and playing with tropes and all the intentions that he put into his script of Rift Jumpers, which was a really cool script at the time that I read it. So it's really awesome to hear all this positive outcome. Yeah, definitely. And it's super cool to hear that an established showrunner also read your script and had some really positive feedback on there as well. So well done. Best of luck with uh, your continued success. And on that note, let's continue with an email from Christina Dowling, who sent the teaser Vigilante back in PT-127. She said that she was nervous about getting feedback, but uh, pleasantly surprised with comments. I was very happy to hear how much we enjoyed the relationship between Grace and John. One of the biggest challenges in such a limited number of pages is to get to know them and uh, get the reader invested in their relationship and then proceed to kill that character off. So it was exactly what I hoped to achieve. Admittedly, I do love the character of John, so there are flashbacks to their life before this, so I can't get rid of him completely. And on that note, there was a question if the show was going to be about Grace as a vigilante or the posse of vigilantes. You said that if it was about Grace, then this would be an effective teaser. And that's exactly it. She finds out that the sheriff is the real outlaw and framed her husband and put together John's old crew and proceeds to hunt down the people responsible for John's hanging. Because there were a few notes, I was really able to take a deeper look at how every moment in the pilot would play and make that clearer to the reader. As a writer, sometimes I know exactly what I'm envisioning, but the reader might not be getting that same image. I love writing period dramas, but there's a very fine line between hokey writing and also achieving the necessary tone and setting while writing something interesting and modern to read. I'm not sure I always accomplish that, but I do try to keep in mind. I think your feedback has helped me take a look at this script and my other pilots and make sure I'm utilizing every moment of the limited real estate to introduce the characters and story. I tend to write pretty short already, but there's always room to cut even in the first few pages. I'm proud of this Western as a sample and I've written two more pilots, a 30s depression era LA pilot and a World War II female spice pilot. So I think I've really honed in on the things I love to write and hope to one day soon get representation and staffed. Yeah, I remember Christina's teaser well. It was a really awesome kind of Western revenge type drama. And that's one of the ones that definitely stuck with me. So great to hear that our feedback was useful for you there. And again, I think that your point is super relevant, you know, no matter how tight something seems or what you've kind of put into it, I think there's always room to go in and tweak and, and make sure it's being uh, as fully effective as it can be. You know, there are other podcasts that do the three page challenge and kind of making it as effective as possible you can in the first three pages. And I think there's, there's some merit to that when people are reading through a huge pile of scripts, you want to grab them in the first page or two, if you can, we tried to take a more holistic approach to the shape of a whole teaser and how that teaser builds and pays off. So we were willing to look at a few more pages there, but all very good points. Yeah, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. In fact, I'm a huge believer in this idea of script real estate, and the teaser is the perfect encapsulation of that. Because even though we say, you know, up to eight pages, most teasers are not eight pages. They are comprised of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pages sometimes. Because of that limited real estate, you need to give an idea of the execution of that pilot in that teaser. And that's very difficult to do. And so that's why I love teasers and I love the exercise of writing a compelling teaser. That's the ultimate form of script real estate. You only have a few pages to really 
exposit all the things you need to make the reader read on. And so I love that Christina really appreciated that aspect and really is honing on that craft in her scripts because as a TV writer, a lot of it is going to be cutting back things as opposed to writing more, especially when you're in the thick of it, usually scripts run long. And so you got to figure out, okay, what's the best way, the most optimal way of executing on the scene in one or two pages or in a limited budget or with only two instead of three characters or with this set instead of that set. All these questions are gonna always happen in the production of TV shows. So that's great that you're thinking about those things already. Yeah, as we've said before, kind of TV writing is fractal in that way. If you want to be able to write a great TV script as a whole, you have to know how to write a great act that builds with its own structure. You have to know how to write a great scene. And obviously, you know, writing a great teaser is a part of that. So I think you're kind of showing the reader that if you can pull off an awesome teaser, the rest of your script is going to be worthwhile as well. Absolutely. On that, we also received another voicemail from Jennifer Dunn, who wrote... Bird song, the teaser that was featured in PT-158. Hey, Alex and Nick from Paper Team. This is Jennifer Dunn, or at Writer Jen Dunn on Twitter. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for checking back in on me after you guys um, did a paper tease on my pilot Bird Song. And it's been, oh, it's been a good long while now. Um, so Bird Song is my pilot about an oxy-addicted Appalachian mountain witch who is forced to rejoin her family's scammy faith healing ministry. And you guys read probably the second or third draft. I sent it to you in the really, really early stages. I was a brand new screenwriter back then. Probably wouldn't do that now. But yes, so my initial reaction to the feedback you guys gave me was, well, at first I was a little bit like, what? It's not perfect. But you know, that's always, I think, everybody's initial reaction to feedback. But after I listened again a couple times, got some really good advice. Um, I really like you guys advised me to use a match cut that I had never really thought about. And now I match cut not all the time, but I do use the match cut quite a bit. So yeah, I really appreciated that. The thing that surprised me the most, I think about the feedback you guys gave me is not anything about actually the feedback. I just thought it was funny. Alex, I think it was you that said like, oh, this character, maybe she'll go on to become a medical examiner or a detective or something like that. When really like I write about hillbilly shenanigans, basically. That's my whole thing. And none of my characters have it together enough to go on to become a medical examiner. But I just thought that was very sweet and graceful of you to really think the best of this character when actually the next time we see her, she is in the probation office taking her drug test. And I want to go ahead and thank you guys because Birdsong did end up winning the Atlanta Film Festival pilot competition last year. I got to do a lot of cool things with it um, from there. We had a table read with real SAG actors. That was just amazing to see actors like Wynn Everett and Eric Goins read my script. And this is the pilot that also helped me get repped. I also entered it in the ScreenCraft Fellowship. And while it didn't win, sadly, I didn't get the fellowship. I am now repped by David Benz of Rascality Entertainment. And so, yes, you guys with your paper tease feedback, you really helped me uh, take this script to the next level. And so now, yeah, I'm just looking to staff. So if anybody needs a writer with a Southern voice with a real handle on hillbilly shenanigans, you can get in touch with my rep at Rascality Entertainment or check out my website at Copperhead Media, Copperhead Light the Snake. Thank you so much, y'all. Thank you, Jennifer. Yes, uh, I think the best of people. <laughs> Huge congratulations to all your successes. I mean, it's great to hear that uh, you won uh, the Atlanta Film Festival pilot competition. You now have a representative uh, 
It's also great to hear that you know the voice that you bring to the table, that you know your quote-unquote brand. The scripts that you write represent you so well. Yeah, absolutely. That's such an important part of being a writer is understanding the kind of stuff that you like to write and not just saying, oh, I do everything or I'm a jack of all trades or whatever. Being so specific about, you know, writing about hillbilly shenanigans. Inevitably, there's going to be a show that wants you, the Ozark or something like that. So well done on, yeah, your success and knowing your voice and your brand. Absolutely. I will also mention I'm a huge fan of match cuts. So I'm glad that feedback incepted you into doing a bunch of match cuts <laughs> in other scripts. Let's move on to another huge question that we asked them. What happened to that teaser and that script since Paper Tease and their session? And one of the most, I would say, surprising answers that we got was from Jordan Sanford, who submitted Leopold the Lost Elephant teaser back in PT-151. He said that at the time he sent Leopold the Lost Elephant in its early days, a few drafts in, it was created to help make his graduate school portfolio more cohesive, which is an interesting answer. And then when we asked him what surprised him the most regarding our feedback, he said that the question that we posed made him more curious about children's TV shows format. Initially, he wrote Leopold as a normal spec TV pilot, but he had little to no knowledge about what actually goes into making children's TV, so it led him to be more curious about the actual form his pilot should take, which led him to turn his pilot into a feature. And not only that, but that feature became a Nichols Fellowship quarterfinalist and placed in other contests and ultimately landed him his first agent. So this is awesome to hear how, you know, even though it started as a little uh, teaser that was part of a bigger pilot, that was part of a portfolio, and then it transitioned into a feature that then became a quarterfinalist at Nichols. It's a crazy adventure, much like the elephant going on its own journey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's exactly why we posed that question in the first place. And sometimes you see a story and you're like, this is a great story and I love where it's going, but I don't see how it works in this particular format. You know, what is this? this is a TV show week in, week out? How do we kind of use that traditional TV show structure? Will it fill a half hour, an hour, that kind of thing? And so that's the question that leads you to being, is this a shorter kids format or is this a, a bigger feature story with a closed arc? And I think sometimes that can be one of the most important things in writing is finding the right format for your story uh, that's going to make it the most effective. And clearly that's what is done here in making it a feature. You've found the best way to tell this story and it's led to some great success in the nickels and finding a rap. So congratulations. And on that note, it's not just the journey of finding the true nature of that story, but it's also your own journey as a writer. And Jordan also wrote saying, in the realm of TV writing, I managed to get my hands on a few 11-minute scripts, and since then, I've created a few preschool and bridge pilots. They are a lot trickier and harder than meets the eye. The 16-19 page cap, along with explaining elements that may not need to be explained in traditional TV format, was a new and exciting endeavor for me. So there's this sort of parallel journey here where Jordan is learning about preschool format and how maybe Leopold wasn't quite the right fit, but now he's working on his own different samples specifically for that niche. So it's great to hear that we all evolve as writers. There's nothing wrong or bad or anything like that about figuring out that this may not be the right path for the story or for my career right this moment. I may need to pivot temporarily. And in fact, that's what we talked about last week in our Survivor Hollywood episode. Yeah, exactly. And I think as much as we give the advice to kind of like know your niche and what you want to write in and what you want to do, that doesn't mean that you should be ignorant about the other formats that exist out there on how to write a one hour drama or how to write a kid's animated sample, because you never know what opportunities might come up and when you might need to do something like that or might want to try something like that. So definitely well done to Jordan for being willing to explore that and coming out on top. 
Yeah, so regular listeners of the podcast are probably familiar with J.B. June, who was the writer of Wildcats. He initially sent that in as a paper tease back in PT-158, and in fact, he actually sent in a second paper tease later, as he was a Patreon supporter, which was called Devotion in PT-180. Probably also remember that J.B.'s Wildcats was selected for the live table read episode in PT-162, so he's been a frequent contributor and guest on the podcast at this point, and he's given us a verbal update on how everything's going and answering our questions. When I sent over the Wildcats pilot teaser, I had written several drafts of the script, and I was finishing a polish on another that became the version that was then used for the scripted table read later. The Devotion teaser I submitted was a much earlier version. At that point, I was just breaking into the third act of the script and hadn't yet even completed a full first draft. After listening to every episode of Paper Team previously, I come to respect your opinions and expertise when it comes to the specifics of what makes good TV writing. It also helped give a pretty good sense of where you were both coming from with your feedback. And with that in mind, my initial reaction to getting feedback on my teasers was to really take your notes to heart and implement the obvious fixes and then figure out the note behind the note for other more subtle script issues. Overall, I found your general thoughts incredibly insightful and both of your individual perspectives on different aspects of the teaser to be quite informative in fixing specific things like jokes, gags, character development, tone, and structure. The feedback I got from you that I was most surprised by was how you were able to hone in on some problem areas that I wasn't even aware of from my limited perspective of having written it and knowing more than what's strictly on the page. It was also surprising when I discovered a few things that not only needed fixing, but then ended up correcting larger, more underlying story problems after I had made some recommended changes to seemingly minor issues. After getting your notes on the paper tease segment on the Wildcats pilot, I made some minor edits for pacing and focused mostly on fixing the issues mentioned in the micronotes. The teaser didn't change drastically between the paper tease session and the later table read. After I got your feedback for the devotion teaser, I did a much bigger overhaul of the script, including the teaser. The teaser was restructured, and I made some fundamental changes to better reflect the tone and POV I'm tempted to get across, as well as to give a better representation of what to expect for the story going forward in the script. Obviously, after the paper tease session for the Wildcats pilot, it was chosen for the table read in a later episode, followed then by more extensive feedback on the whole script. After both these episodes, I incorporated many of the notes, and I've rewritten another draft that's gotten a lot of positive attention, and even some industry reads. Since the paper tease session for the Devotion pilot, I have finished a few drafts that have received great scores and feedback from Blacklist and other script readers. I've just recently polished up a version that I've started sending out to competitions and connections for potential representation. With your feedback on my teasers and the general writing advice provided in so many Paper Team episodes, I've grown more confident in my own skills and have become a much stronger writer through the iterative process of writing and rewriting my scripts while considering the tips and insights gleaned from listening to your collective experience, suggestions, and interviews with other TV writing professionals. More specifically, I've gone back and forth between genres and formats, but after hearing in so many different words from different Paper Team guests that in order to make it easier to pitch and sell myself as a writer, I should be making sure my voice is consistent clear, and tied to a unique perspective. So I've been focusing on my writing style in a way that infuses my work with a sense of my unique experience and background. I'm now more confident in the voice I'm developing as a writer and don't feel as much as if I'm forcing my writing to be an imitation of someone else's. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, thanks, JB. It's great to hear from you. All of that stuff is great. I think that in particular, I really honed in on what you're talking about with refining in your voice as a writer. We've touched on that already a couple times in this episode, but finding that unique POV and putting it in there is really going to make you stand out and be able to find that rep who knows exactly what they can do with you and with that voice. And it's going to help it stand out on people's desks when you're being read for shows and all of that kind of thing. Another really great point I think you brought up was just trial and error writing over and over again, rewriting drafts and learning that way. I think those are both really key to being a good writer. Yeah, exactly. And to that point of knowing your brand and so forth, that doesn't mean having to write the same sample over and over again. It's more about understanding holistically 
what is the through line here? What are you telling us about yourself as a writer, as a creative? Because when you are entering those meetings with that agent, that manager, that executive, et cetera, et cetera, you have to pitch yourself in such a way that that person can then pitch you to other people in a very concise way. And obviously, you know, the shortest shorthand is just to say, oh, this is like a one hour sci-fi genre writer, blah, blah, blah. But there's other nuances there that you can finesse to fit your brand, your own perspective, your own story. Again, it doesn't have to be a specific genre or format as much as it is who you are as a writer. So it's really awesome to hear that JB has been refining that aspect for him and is really confident in who he is as a writer. Continuing on the train of thought of what's happened with people's scripts since they were read out on our podcast, we received an email from Augusto Amador, who wrote Gasland, which was featured back in PT113. And he said that a, a much more rewritten Gasland is the script that led to him being awarded the Humanitas Prize New Voices Award, which then led to him writing a new pilot, which led to getting an amazing manager and high-profile entertainment attorneys. And that all led to him being awarded the NHMC slash Disney TV writing program. And then further on from there, that led to him writing a new pilot that received a paid option and is currently in development for a first look at a major studio. So that's all absolutely incredible. Congratulations, Augusto. Yeah, this is awesome to hear. So many success stories. We're all proud of our huge uh, Paper Tease entrance. And again, it has really nothing to do with Paper Tease feedback. I think we're putting them in this episode to sort of highlight all the amazing diverse voices and awesome people that we have on this podcast. So it's awesome to hear, Augusto, about uh, your own success and uh, your own writing. And then one of the final questions that we asked all our Paper Tease entrants was, how has the Paper Team podcast helped you as a writer? That's not just uh, for <laughs> ego boost or praise or anything like that, but it's actually to hear genuinely how have we helped people? Is our content more suited to certain people over others and so forth? And so one of the emails that we got was from J.R. Curry, who submitted Rogue Galaxy back in PT123. And at the time, this was his very first TV pilot, and it was written in a UCLA extension TV in class. And this was actually the second draft. And ultimately, he felt like the idea was a bit too similar to Firefly. So he made a plan initially to rewrite the script, but considering it wasn't as an original idea as he thought it was, he decided to scrap the idea as a whole. And he had another pilot with a better original idea. And in terms of how the podcast has helped him, he mentions one of our mixers and he met me as well as our former editor, Alex Switzky, at one of our awesome mixers. I do miss our mixers, I will mention this. But he also says, quick story, I used to work for a delivery company in Hollywood driving from the store to customers gave me the ability to quickly turn on the podcast, learn the ins and outs of writing as well as getting paid. Those two years of listening to the podcast have made me a better writer. I owe a great deal of my knowledge of the industry and TV writing in general to Alex and Nick. Keep up the good work. Thanks, JR. It's always awesome to hear your story. Perhaps everyone's writing skills are languishing now that we're not driving anywhere anymore and we don't have time to listen to writing podcasts. So <laughs> the unintended consequences of COVID. Yeah, but in terms of your pilot, Rogue Galaxy, I remember that one as well. And it was one of those situations where the writing was good and there was this fun dialogue and everything. It just sort of needed that little bit extra to hook people with the concept, kind of like what we were talking about earlier with Alone Together. It just needed to find that kind of element to it. And so obviously JR decided to go in a different direction and latch onto something that started from a stronger place. And that's totally fine too. You don't always have to try to salvage every 
script that you write if there's something better and you just take the lessons you learn from that one and implement that as you move forward. In a way that pilot lives in the other pilot because the lessons that you took from that first version seeped into the other versions that you write. In the same way that usually, you know, if you're on staff and you pitch an idea that doesn't quite land, then ultimately maybe that idea that you love so much can be used in your own projects or something like that. So just because it doesn't live in one version doesn't mean it cannot exist in another. Another listener who submitted a voicemail for us about what Paper Team has kind of meant for them and helped them learn was David Crossman, who's another regular of ours. He actually had two teasers read out on the podcast. PT51 was Black Market Freelancer and PT173 Nudge. So let's hear from David. Hi, folks. This is Dave Crossman. And I was lucky enough to have the teaser for my TV pilot Nudge, reviewed by Nick and Alex on PT172. When I sent in my teaser for my TV pilot, I had finished the outline and written the teaser. I knew that something was a bit off, which is why I sent it in. I was able to get the Patreon subscriber slot, which is another great benefit to being a sponsor. Initially, I was quite happy that the gents had taken the time to review the teaser. I felt validated that they found the concept interesting and that the script was funny. What surprised me most from the feedback given was how actionable and practical the feedback was. I was able to turn the 10-minute podcast clip into a better teaser and an overall better script. The major note I implemented from the paper tease review was to get to the promise of the premise sooner and not to spend so much time dinking around with the main character. The note definitely made the teaser better and freed up a lot of room for the rest of the script to play out. It was a pivotal note in the development of the overall story. Since the paper team session, I redid the outline, iterated on the script, got notes, and wrote additional drafts. In December 2020, Nudge was a finalist in the We Screenplay TV pilot competition. The Paper Team podcast has helped me as a writer by breaking down some common myths, the major business aspects of being a TV writer, and especially pressing the idea that you've always got to be working on your craft. Thanks, Nick and Alex. Well, thank you, uh, David, for sending us that update. And we're glad that your uh, Patreon support of our podcast is very useful to your own endeavors as well as becoming a better TV writer. Yeah, and that's another great observation from David in terms of getting to that promise of the premise in your teasers as soon as you possibly can. You want people to understand what it is that they're reading so that they can then enjoy it in the context of that knowledge. And then you can really delve into your characters and your dialogue and your jokes and and whatever else it may be. That's something good to take away from all of that. And congrats, David, on uh, your writing success and future endeavors. Absolutely. And we will briefly mention another uh, paper patron supporter, Alyssa Rivas, who, when we reached out to her to get her thoughts on her own teaser, she responded by saying, Hi, Alex and Nick. I just want to reach out and say thank you for the notes you gave me on my pilot at the time I turned it in. However, I have gone in a new direction career-wise, so I don't have any updates. However, I didn't want to just not respond and wanted to thank you for the help. I hope you two are doing well and wish you nothing but the best. Take care, Elisa Rivas. Thank you, Elisa, for the message. In the same way that we talked about it last week on Survivor Hollywood, sometimes people need to move on and they are happier outside of this industry, but we're glad that you've chosen the path that you wanted to take. Absolutely. We've appreciated having you as a listener and wish you the best of luck with your current job and goals. 
We also wanted to highlight a couple of our other long-term listeners who have been with us since the very beginning, and one of them is Clint Williams, who actually had his teaser featured on our very first ever paper tease. So Clint said, I was an early fan of the Paper Team podcast, first learning about it around episode six, and then quickly catching up on the back episodes. Listening to the podcast quickly became part of my Monday morning routine as I was walking the dog. So I was surprised and delighted to hear you two critique Chattahoochee in the May 2018 first paper tease segment. I can't remember precisely where I was in the process of writing the pilot at the time, but I'm guessing I just completed the first draft, which in a way made your comments all the more valuable. The notes were generally positive and encouraging, but both of you raised the need for more clarity here and there. So I went through the whole script with an eye to clarity and making sure that what I was trying to say was there on the page so that the reader knew exactly what was happening on screen. Chattahoochee actually went on to advance to the semifinals of the Austin Film Festival screenwriting contest, but nothing has happened since then. Let's face it, a period-limited series that is underground meets glory meets the Alamo is a bit of a tough sell. I'm happy to share it with anyone who's interested. Just hit me up on Twitter at ClintW3. But Paper Team has been a great resource and continues to be a habit, even though my dog died in December. Thanks. Firstly, very sorry to hear that your dog has passed away, Clint. It's always hard to lose a pet that's very close to us like that, so we hope you're doing okay. But again, congrats on the success of your writing, making it to the semifinals of Austin is no small feat. And I'm trying to remember if that's the year that we were there. Either way, really well done on that. And yeah, to your point, clarity is really big. You know, getting what's in your brain as a writer and what you understand onto the page so that other people understand it as clearly um, is one of the main parts of the job. Congratulations again on your success. I'm sorry to hear about your dog. To your point, clarity is the essence of writing. It's the essence of what a teaser is meant to achieve. So it's great to hear those lessons repeated in this podcast, and not just from our own mouths, uh, so to speak, but from our listeners, from our PBT's entrance, and from other writers around the industry. And last but certainly not least, we want to end on another response that we got from Varta, just circling back to Varta, who is also a longtime listener of ours, and her answer to how has the Paper Team podcast helped you as a writer? She says, Paper Team has been my faithful companion on all my hikes and walks to the store. It's been an invaluable resource for information, but also a way to stay connected to my fellow writers. I love listening to the questions everyone sends in. It makes me feel like I am not alone in my journey, and we're all learning and growing together as a community. Well, thank you, Varta. Thank you to all our listeners who submitted their answers to this Paper Tease Revisited episode, as well as all of the many questions that we've received across the years. Yeah, I certainly couldn't think of a better way to wrap up this episode than that sentiment from Varda. So it's been really awesome to kind of hear what you've all been up to and how we've been able to help you since then and how your writing has improved and the success that you've had with it. That's been the whole goal of this podcast the entire time was to to all come along on this journey with us and get better and succeed. So huge congrats to everybody in our paper team community. On that note, thanks to our listeners for taking the time to tune in. You can get all the show notes for this episode at paperteam.co slash 210. I'm occasionally on Twitter at TVCalling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or questions for this podcast, you can send them to ask at paperteam.co and what are we doing next week? Well, next week is our paper scraps for March, and we'll be dropping a little bit earlier, I think, than the paper scraps usually do. But we'll be answering your questions and summing up any uh, news and events from around the industry. All right. We'll see you next week. We'll see you then.